Hello everyone and welcome to Nano Community Tech. My name is Sandeep Johal. Today's guest is Ian Carson, a remarkable entrepreneur who co-founded Second Bite, a food rescue organization which partners with big supermarkets such as Coles to reduce food wastage. Food rescue has only been around for about 10 years, making it a very new industry. Community kitchens across Australia cook hundreds of meals every day to reduce hunger. Second Bite helps with bringing food to places like these. Ian shares the humble beginnings of Second Bite and how far it's come. He stressed on the power of technology and the goodwill of volunteers to reduce food wastage in the future. If you would like to partner with Second Bite or volunteer with them, be sure to check out our show notes for contact details. Ian, welcome to the show. You're great to join you, Sandeep. Well done. Thank you. Uh, look, I have looked forward to this session all this whole time. I am a big supporter of uh, zero wastage. In this case, Second Bite does an excellent and an important job in ensuring there's no wastage of food. But look, I'm going to let you give us a quick introduction of what Second Bite is and how this came about to be. Okay, so um, look, when when I when I was growing up, I, I grew up in a family which um, didn't waste anything. Probably like your family, Sandeep. Um, we recycled everything. We grew vegetables in the garden. Uh, we worked in the garden. Um, the lights got turned off. The paper bag, you know, we used to take our, our school lunches in recycled plastic bags. Um, so we never wasted anything. And and as I got older. You know, I, I just used to be going around to business functions and 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 I just suddenly started seeing um, food waste and, and, and I suspected there was food waste. It was just in the back of my head. And um, I'd actually spent, you know, 10 years as a volunteer in politics and I was Liberal Party president and I just finished that. And then I, I, I have a lot of ideas um, and... and so I thought, well, you just got to focus on one of these ideas. And so I had this idea going around my head that there was food waste, and I thought we've got to do something about this. And and I thought, you know, there are probably people who are hungry who could do with the food. So I just, my wife and I just started asking questions. Uh, and one day I was at a, a business function, and there was a huge smorgasbord, and you could you just knew at the end of the lunch that it was going to be thrown away. So I went up to the waiter and I said, what are you going to do with the food? And he said, we have to throw it away. And I said, oh, please don't. Tell me you, you, you're not going to do that. Tell me you're not going to. And he said, no, we have to. I said, what? He said, oh, no, the food safety laws tell us we have to. And that got me really angry. You know, where something is so stupid um, in society uh, that is so wrong, then that got me really motivated to do something about it. I, you know, I, I like to right wrongs. And so my wife and I started investigating. And um, so we knew there was food waste. And then the next thing was we 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 started asking, you know, whether anyone wanted the food. So we had a friend who was at the Sacred Heart Mission in St Kilda. And we said to her, you know, we, if we had food, um, would 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 they want it down there? Because we didn't know. We actually didn't know. And they said, oh, yes, we'd love the food. And so, okay, so they want the food. Um, and so then we said, all right, well, how are we going to get food? Um, 
And look, I actually started by asking a restaurant, um, which I went to a lot, Beko in the city. <laughs> and um, I was there one night with Simon and I said, Simon, you know, we want to take food. Do you have any leftover food? And, um, and he said, no, we don't have leftover food because we're a very efficient restaurant, but we'll make soup for you. We'll make soup for you from the leftovers and you can take it down to Sacred Heart Mission. And at the time I had a friend who was between roles. And um, so I said to him, look, we're thinking about doing something about food waste. Would you be interested? He said, yes, I'd love to. So we just started and he started taking the food down to Sacred Heart Mission from Beko Restaurant in 20-litre soup, um, you know, buckets of soup. Uh, and that was great. And then eventually I listened. And um, so, you know, we went down to the Pran Market where she'd shopped. And it's a lovely story because she'd shopped at the Pran Market for 30 years. So she knew all the people. And she went down to see John Pino, uh, the fruiterer, who's a, you know, fantastic guy. He's been at the Pran Market. His family have been at the Pran Market for 70 years. His father started there, Italian immigrant. And we asked him and he said, we'd love to give you food. He said, we'd love to give you food. If you come along on a Saturday afternoon, um, we'll give you our leftovers and we're closed on the Sunday. So, you know, that stuff, you know, often will get thrown away and you can take it to the Sacred Heart Mission. And we started with our Volvo station wagon. We went to the Pran Market, the Turvis, at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and we picked up about three boxes of food from Pinot, fruit and vegetables, beautiful fruit and veggies. And we took it down to the Sacred Heart Mission. They gave us a key to their fridge because they were actually closed. So we would go in there right through winter, dark nights, um, down at St Kilda and, and put the food into their fridge. And the first week we got three boxes. The second week we got six boxes. The third week we got 10 boxes. And then as time went on, we were filling the Volvo and we had to take a second car. And then we'd fill the second car. So when that happened, we knew that we were onto something. And then we actually... Um, thought we needed to get a general manager. And I had a friend at the ANZ um, who was, you know, senior in the ANZ. And I said, look, will you, you guys support this? And so the ANZ actually stumped up, I think it was $70,000 a year to pay um, a general manager, uh, which, which then really was like lighting a fire under the organisation. What a way to start. I, uh, I'm I'm so it's it's amazing to hear um, how a a good deed um, at that time and you know seeing seeing a problem and connecting a group that was um, that was in need of food with those that were, were 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 throwing it away. How what seems like a really simple idea has now become um, had grown very rapidly into something that was. Um, a, a, a repeatable and almost a, um, a an operation that needed management, like you said, and also funding straight into it. Uh, was that progress manageable? So we were just doing the, the, the Paran market. And then when we got, and we were so lucky, we recruited a woman who is a dynamo. Um, 
Katie Barfield, who's gone on to do more work in the food rescue space with a with a um, a business, a social enterprise called Yumi, where they buy food and um, waste food and pass it on to um, sell it to people who need it. Uh, but she was an absolute dynamo, and she uh, she's one of the most um, entrepreneurial people I've ever seen. Um, and I am quite entrepreneurial, so together it was quite powerful. And we um, then, you know, went to the South Melbourne market and that started deliveries there. And then we got a, a friend on the board when what we realised we needed was to have volunteers. And so we got a friend on the board whose name was John Simpson. And John Simpson had a very good friend at Melbourne Rotary and he got Rotary involved through Bob Glinderman. And suddenly we had potentially hundreds of volunteers. Um, so that was an absolute game changer when we got access to a large number of volunteers. Uh, Ian, I have a question about how, it, how you felt when you saw the food being consumed, the food that you had personally been involved in bringing from one location to another, whether it be in the form of soup or otherwise. What was the reaction when you saw people consuming the food and being grateful? Oh, look, it, Sandeep, it's, it is very moving. Um, you know, I, I mean, my big message is that, you know, what Second Bite shows is that individuals can make a difference. And, you know, that's my story now when I talk to people is that, you know, individuals can actually change the world. And a lot of people feel disempowered and their governments are in charge, but individuals can change the world. So I, I felt empowered that, you know, there's more to do. Um, that, that's how I really felt. I mean, I, it, you know, it, it's so wrong that food's wasted. It's so wrong that people are in, in need. If you, you know, if you think about society, um, you know, we used to be little villages where, you know, if someone was doing it tough, you know, the neighbours would come and bring them meals um, or, you know, help them. If you go back in time, that's what used to happen. And society's become so big and complex that, you know, you've had these things grow up which, which people haven't seen. And that's, that's the story about food waste is that society became so, you know, busy and, um, and what and and Australia was so well off, but the whole world um, that they didn't see the waste. And um, but what what's happened over the last 15 years, 20 years is that the world has actually started to take notice. And the statistics on food waste are quite extraordinary. If all the food waste that happens in the in the world was saved, it would be actually enough to um, significantly reduce, eliminate hunger for a start and significantly reduce climate change. Um, the, the, the statistic on food waste as a part of carbon emissions is, is very, very high. It's something like, you know, 10% of carbon emissions is created by food waste. So imagine the impact that we can have. And, 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 you know, that, that is also a topic that I'd like to uh, unpack a little bit more, the impact of, of having a positive difference, not just in fellow human beings, but also the planet. 
but before we get into that, I was wondering at what point did you feel the operation could benefit from a technological solution? Look, we were always looking for ways of making it uh, more efficient and um, scalable. Um, and, and, you know, actually for years we've been looking for an app to, um, you know, transform it where almost like a marketplace, like a, a gum tree or something where people can put food up and then people can say, I'll take that food. And there are a number of apps around the world where this happens. Um, but I'm not sure that that's really been cracked properly. Um, so that that's something that's like been our nirvana. Um, but we've always tried to use technology. And one of the things that Katie and, and, and her partner, uh, Russell Shields, did was um, they, they transformed the model for Second Byte to be um, one where we partnered with other organisations who are already feeding people and it was called Community Connect. So that allowed Second Byte, and today Second Byte takes food or gets food to 1,200 community organisations around Australia. So technology forms a big part of um, how that works, monitoring, um, reporting, communicating, uh, and there's always more to do. If I can just go through a few stats uh, that I that I, uh, I looked up in some of my research uh, before this session, financial year 21, 24.3 million kilograms of food distributed, 1,400 food programs. That Those are staggering numbers. And, and before we get into uh, some of the details of how uh, the technology used in actually managing all of that. I, I also wanted uh, to point out that as far as the environment impact of environmental impact is we're looking at 24.3 million kilograms of food distributed when there's a total of 7.3 billion kilograms of food, wasted food per year. Uh, so I, so this is a significant part of the whole ecosystem of actually trying to so so tell us a little bit about um about how you manage such a uh you know a what what now can can seems like a very complicated uh network and complicated uh solution um to distribute this much it it it, it is complicated but um to katie and russell's credit the model of um community connect where what actually has transformed is that in many cases it's the agency, um, say in Colac, Victoria, um, say it's the Uniting Church Soup Kitchen, they, through our partnership with Coles or other food providers, they go and collect the food themselves from Coles or the food provider um, so it reduces the amount of logistics, waste, um, duplication. So, you know, in many ways, we've, because of our relationship with Coles or another food organisation, we have got that food to the agency without having to put trucks on the road. Now, we do do a lot of the ones in the CBD, 
um, where we go and do the collections and then deliver it. But the model is incredibly powerful. And, and in fact, when Coles, Coles did a tender about 10 years ago for a food rescue organisation to partner with them, and they chose Second Bite because Second Bite was the most innovative and had the most uh, technical, you know, sophisticated solution, um, which was actually Community Connect. Um, so, so take us through the uh, the process right now. So it, typically, um, there is distribution of food from obviously areas where there's wastage. So I assume one of the first things you do is that reckon, identify where these wastages happen. And I also acknowledge that being um, partnering up with Coles would make that visibility a lot uh, assume that there's a way more visibility for that. Uh, but then also, you know, t- take us through the steps of getting that wasted food that would have been originally wasted to, to the, uh, to the bowl- bowls and plates of people who consume them. Yeah. So, so with basically um, we've got a number of partners, but you know, Coles, because Coles has got, 800 stores around Australia, we know there's food, quite a lot of food that consumers don't want to eat, you know, because the apple's got spots or the lettuce leaf is getting a bit soft. Um, so, So as an example, every one of those stores, we have connected them with a community organization around the block, you know, Colac, Alice Springs, Tennant Creek, um, Cobar, um, and in every one of those organisations, there's a church or there's a youth group or there's a Salvation Army kitchen. And so they're already doing the work and they know the people who need the food in that community. So the beauty of this is you're actually not imposing anything on a local community. It's the local community saying what they need. And so then we connect them with the local Coles store or the, the local 7-Eleven or the local greengrocer, you know, like Toscano's in Melbourne. And, and they, they go to the Coles and they've got the crates and they pick it up a um, couple of times a week and then they take it back to their kitchen um, and then they cook it up. Now, in Melbourne and Sydney and all the cities, we supplement that with vans where we've got bigger volumes and we might go to the Coles distribution centre or we might go to farmers and we'll pick up bulk food and then we'll either take it to five or six agencies or we'll take it back to the warehouse and then we'll distribute it from the warehouse. So so the model, so we we don't duplicate anything because we're not cooking um, because the agencies are already cooking and the food's there and really we are you know, effectively brokering the food in many cases or we're picking it up ourselves depending on what's the most efficient for that location. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the two models that you're talking about. So first of all, the uh, technology used in brokering, so connecting the those who need uh, with those who have, um, that, that I assume happens in an online environment, or perhaps it's a, a face-to-face communication, or even when I say face-to-face, I mean phone calls and that sort of thing. Yeah, is that is that how it usually occurs? 
It's pretty, it's pretty much email, but then they report into us and we record everything in our systems. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty much, I mean, they've got a set time. They know they've got to go to the, the coal store at that time or right. the um, Toscanos at that time, and they pick up what's there, the coals. No, it's in their systems. Coals record it. So it's deeply crude. It's actually helped coals to reduce their waste. Oh, and, and I mean, look, Woolworths do it as well. Um, and we picked up from Woolworths. So it actually helps the producer um, identify how much waste they've got. And they've actually reduced their waste because of second bite. Mm. So I assume that also means that they have less, um, uh, I guess, participation in that, that uh, waste management process because we would have... Second bite would have taken it, taken a lot of a good significant percentage of that. So it's a win-win situation for yeah, it's reduced everybody. Their, yeah, it's reduced their food disposal costs. It's reduced their carbon emissions, um, and it's saving the food. So, and if we go to the second model, which is the uh, vans uh, and and uh, and and taking food from one location to another. Is that, do you do that daily? Is there a time? Every day, every yeah. day. Oh, wonderful. And, and you know, there, there's there's hundreds of locations um, from coal stores to Toscanos to um, other uh, green grocers to growers. One of the big things is actually that um, we get donations from growers. So, you know, we had a donation from a, a potato grower in Tasmania where they had two semi-trailer loads of potatoes that, for whatever reason, they couldn't sell, wasn't getting paid enough, they donated that to us. And then we took that out to hundreds of agencies so we can get big bulk um, donations from, you know, fruit and vegetable growers. And they had some great stories about the donations. So how does that how does that get distributed? Is it through um, some form of uh, uh, I guess understanding what demand there is out there? Do as I understand that the website also has an opportunity for uh, those who are in need of food to actually register their interest or be be connected with me. Is is this um, so? Let's let's take that that instance of the two trailers. Uh, full of potatoes, how did you know where to send what? Well, um, so we we deliver to the agencies that all oh, went to agencies. So, you know, the Salvation Army um, in Burke Street, Melbourne, every day they cook for about 250 people, okay, homeless people. Mary's House of Welcome in Brunswick Street, every day they cook for about 100 people, lunch and dinner. And Sacred Heart Mission in St Kilda, every day they cook for about 400 people who come in to get a meal. So they need food. And then there's 1,196 other agencies around Australia who are cooking for people in need, whether they're homeless or whether they're people who are doing a tough um or people with mental illness, um, so they're they're cooking every day. So so we 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 do a run around all those agencies, and if we've got 
and the van will pull up and, and the van will say, look, what do you need today? We've got extra potatoes today. Do you want those? Usually they'll take them, right? And the beauty of things like potatoes and fresh vegetables is they'll last for four or five days. So um, there's plenty of need. We know where to go. The kitchens, it's, it's actually quite a simple model. The hard, the hard part is um, procuring more and more food um, uh, because the need keeps growing. You know, the sad thing is that there's more people who go without every year um, and that's increasing. And do you know if uh, you're observing the wastage going up as well or is that ha- has that organically reduced now or...? Well, what's your observation? With the places, waste is going down because people are becoming more aware of it. And, 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 and actually what happened with Coles was it was the Coles staff who said to management, and to management's credit, they listened, um, we have to do something about this waste. Um, and we'd been knocking on Coles' door for a couple of years and we just couldn't get traction. And then... It was the staff who said to them, we've got to do something about it. So to management's credit in 2010, they started talking to us. So um, waste is definitely coming down, um, particularly with um, bigger organisations who understand their corporate and social responsibility and their role in society. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the environment side of things because we we did uh, I did touch on the fact that it's and and you know uh, you described this as a win win situation um, for most parties and I guess there's more awareness from uh, from the big supermarkets that they do do need to reduce their waste and they they put in programs and and so on to do that. Uh, what do you what are you anticipating would be the um, the future then some of the future challenges some of the uh how or at least how are you anticipating you'll resolve um the big demand <laughs> that's yeah that's coming our way well i mean there's so many great stories you know one is that um more and more people understand the need to do something so when we started no one got it you know you'd 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 go around and see 20 people and you'd have to spend an hour telling them about the waste and and they just didn't understand it. So these days you talk to a really good audience um, and they get it. Um, the second thing is, you know, philanthropy gets it. If if Second Bite goes and asks one of the major charitable foundations that we've got a very specific opportunity to make a big change, Second Bite can get funding, like real funding. Um to, you know, to do technological changes or things that will make a difference in, in systemic difference, right? So there's money out there. Um, and, and, look, technology will play a role um, in becoming more and more efficient. Um, you know, having, having that online website, I think, is still a, a great opportunity. What Katie's done with Yumi you know, that, that's an online um, where people go on and post um, what's available and people bid for it. So that, that's, that's a, a great technological development. But there's a whole lot of other things that can happen. Um, 
in my wife did a Simone did a um, Churchill Fellowship on uh, food rescue organisations around the world, and she identified five or six other things that could be done. Um, uh, one was partnering with tech technology organisations such as a, a Google or an Apple, uh, an Amazon, or you know a local um, Appalachian or you know whoever it is to really drive. Um, efficiencies and communication and simplification, okay? So that that there's definitely opportunities to do more in that space, okay? Two, uh, she identified um, an opportunity, which actually happens in North America, um, where people grow in their back gardens and then donate it to agencies. And in America, it's called... Um, uh, something like backyard harvest, um, and 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 for years I've actually wanted to do that in Australia, but we haven't had the bandwidth. So, you know, imagine if everyone who's got a garden was growing, you know, five or six um, fruit trees or corn or tomatoes, and they donated it. We've got we've got a, a chap. My daughter works at um, Porta Novelli, and the the CEO of Porta Novelli has been doing that Reese out in the Danongs, uh, growing and taking it to um, the local agency. So that that's a huge opportunity. And then there's big opportunities, more opportunities with growers to 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 basically get to every grower um, where where there's waste to have the systems to make it easy for them to push a button and say. I've got this surplus here, and to and to know that someone can come and pick it up in the next, you know, forty eight hours or two hours. So, you know, still bananas, thousands and thousands of tons of bananas get thrown away in northern Queensland because there aren't the systems to bring them back to where the consumers are. So, um, I was uh, interested to understand. A little more of the uh, simplification, especially when it uh, when it means partnering up with those big firms, big tech giants that you were talking about before. Atlassian being a being a local firm, um, and the efficiencies that you see um, coming into play with technology. I would imagine that if you were to take a stab at what sorts of efficiencies you'd be looking at, efficient logistics, uh, even more uh, access. To the, the the demand and the and the uh, and those who need it, uh, there is. I, I certainly, from my perspective, can think of um, a whole bunch of ways to to smoothen out the process to uh, to to make it a lot more autonomous. Make some, um, maybe even introduce some artificial intelligence and allow decision making to occur before we need to be involved in it. Yeah, that's right. And there's actually a, a startup which I spoke to in the Netherlands um, who've, who have got AI and they're collecting data on the food industry to really drill down on predicting the, and they can reduce people's wastage by 20 or 30% because they can see where things get delayed or where there's overproduction or, you know, market needs. So AI will dramatically help reduce food waste, but it can also help identify 
you know, stuff to be rescued. So I think it's there's so many areas. The logistics, all the all the second boat vans sit in the warehouse overnight, right? Mm. So they, those vans are just sitting there. I mean, are there are there the other one is backloading, you know, with coals and their vans which are coming back when they go to to distribution centres and take to the stores, you know, can you backload the stuff from those stores? So there's, you know, Food Rescue's only been really operating like this for 10 years. Now, if you think about other industries, you know, take railways or take, um, you know, manufacturing, it's been going for 100 years. So Food Rescue is like at the absolute infancy and there will be hundreds of things that can be done over time. Part of the thing is when you've got voluntary organisations, they don't have unlimited funding. Um, so, you know, you, you, you're so busy just surviving, having time or the money to invest in systems. That's why having a technology partner, the right technology partner, can be very, very powerful. Yeah, absolutely agreed. If you know a good technology partner, I'm sure Second Byte would be, or any of your audience have got, um, I mean, they're always looking for help. So um, anyone who wants to volunteer, um, they can go on the website um, or through you, they can contact me as well. Yeah, no worries at all. And I'll put all the contact information in the show notes. So I'll, I'll be sure to give them all the opportunities to be able to do that, especially if uh, uh, a technology partnering firm out there who's interested in providing those efficiencies. I, I can see that going a long way. But one question does that does come to mind is if we get really good at reducing food wastage and if truly there's a time in the future where rescue uh, reduces or the need to rescue reduces, does that mean that that goes to your second point, which is, you know, people now donating food going forward? Would that would that be, become a lot more prominent in the future, do you think? Uh, you're talking about individuals? Yeah, yeah. Just because if, if, if we're being really efficient uh, with reducing food wastage, does that mean that there'll be less to distribute, less to rescue, which means that the service can be can pivot to, to, to now distributing food that is surplus, that is um, being grown in the backyards and that kind of thing. Is that is that what your your vision is? Going I forward? think there's a long way to go. Um, the Look, as you said, there's $8 billion of food thrown away a year um, and, and we're doing 24 um, million kilograms. Um, so... There's a long way to go. That's probably, you know, 2% of all the food which is thrown away. Um, and, and there's more people going hungry. So um, I think that it'll increase. Um, you know, coals are sitting out to be um, zero emissions. So everyone will get better and better. Um, I mean, the, the great thing about giving the food to the agencies that use it is that they used to buy the food. So they can now use that money to help people find jobs or better health care or counselling or um, integration into the community. 
so that the food is only the tip of the iceberg for these groups. Uh, the food is like the 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 flame, which which ignites um, people, uh, mental health, uh, community connection, uh, getting back on their feet. So, I think it's a long way to go, but with more and more awareness, um, more and more understanding of how to help um, organisations like Second Bite getting more sophisticated, then. Um, we're doing better and better. Mm, yep, and and you know this is it's amazing. We we did a podcast recently with uh, Recycle Smart, and they're an organization that that, that focuses on recycling. and um, And it was interesting to uh, to see their vision for the future and using very similar thoughts uh, to what you had uh, spoken about. With you know really leveraging technology, really getting into that sort of um, artificial intelligence space and also um, bringing efficiency, bringing accuracy and bringing um, integrity into, into the process. So I think we, we're off, uh, we're, we're, we're going to see a lot of good things happen. And, and you're right, uh, 24.3 million kilograms of food uh, of this 8 billion kilograms that are wasted, there, there is some way to go to make it more efficient. So we're hoping that that figure also comes down in the future, that big figure. Um, and, and it's good to hear that uh, the, the supermarkets and those that were creating a lot of the waste uh, prior are now re rethinking that. And that's got, that has to be because of second bites uh, input into the whole, uh, into the whole ecosystem. So, you know, it's, you, you must be really proud to, to see and hear that. Look, I, I, I am, I am proud, but you know, I, I always look ahead to see, you know, because there's more to do, Sandeep. You know, mm. um, people used to say to me, "You must be very proud of what you've done." But I spend my whole time thinking about how to do more. To be honest, um, you know, how to get Second Bite more sustainable. I still fundraise for Second Bite, um, but um, you know, the great thing is that Second Bite's off doing its own thing now. And it's sustainable, so that's that's a good feeling to have built something which is sustainable. It's got a foundation, um, and and it's got new people who are driving it forward. So that that's that's I think that's part of it is to uh, let go of you know an organisation as well and let it have its own life. Yeah. Can I finish with with three three um, lessons from Second Bite for your oh abs absolutely listeners? The first thing is that. You know, individuals can make a difference. All of us can make a difference. If we've got an idea, talk to some people, develop it and have a go. Two, you don't have to do a 50-page business plan. You don't have to work everything out because you just want to start and where you start is not where you'll end up. So you, you just start and you'll learn from that. And then the third thing is if you want to do something, Get a couple of people around you as a little advisory group to test your ideas. Um, but, you know, Sandeep, I'm sure all your listeners, um, they're all making a difference in their own way and I'd just encourage them. So thank you. Thank you for, for finishing up on a very inspiring note. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your time, sir. Great, Sandeep.